due to the themes of this podcast, listener discretion is advised. Secrets and Spies present Need to Know. Need to Know is a podcast featuring conversations with security experts focused on the terrorism and intelligence stories dominating the headlines. This podcast is produced and hosted by Chris Carr. Today's episode of Need to Know, I'm joined by intelligence historian and author Calder Walton, and we discuss the report into Russian interference in UK politics by the Russian intelligence services. If you're enjoying this podcast, please consider supporting it by becoming a Patreon subscriber. You can subscribe by going to patreon.com forward slash secrets and spies. Also, if you like the work that I'm doing on this podcast, you may enjoy my film, my short film, The Dry Cleaner. The Dry Cleaner is my first attempt at spy fiction, and it's now available on Amazon and iTunes. And if you're into social media, please connect with this podcast on Facebook and Twitter. If you go to Facebook, it's just www.facebook.com forward slash secrets and spies. And if you go to Twitter, it's just at secrets and spies. You'll tend to find me more on Twitter than Facebook. If you want to drop me a line, Twitter is probably the best place to find me. I hope you enjoyed this episode, and thank you very much for listening. Take care. The opinions expressed by guests on Secrets and Spies do not necessarily represent those of the producers and sponsors of this podcast. Colter, welcome back to the podcast. It's great to have you on. No, it's great to be back. Thanks for having me, Chris. For the benefit of new listeners, can you just please tell us a little bit about yourself? Yes, I'm a historian at Harvard's Kennedy School of Government in Cambridge, Massachusetts, um, where I am assistant director of the Applied History Project which seeks to inform policymaking by looking at history. And I also helped to run the Harvard Kennedy School's intelligence project research component. Fantastic, fantastic. Earlier this week, the UK government finally published its long-awaited report into Russian interference in British politics, a report that it must be noted was ready for distribution back in October 2019, but it was held back at the request of the Prime Minister, Boris Johnson, just before the 2019 general election. A few reactions to the report so far. Dominic Grieve, who was the chair of the Intelligence and Security Committee, who wrote the report, wrote an article in The Guardian, and he states, The Russian report points to willful negligence by the British government. Leader of the UK Labour Party, Sir Keir Starmer, accused the government of delaying legislation to help counter Russian interference, despite acknowledging 18 months ago existing powers were insufficient. Edward Lucas, who has been warning about an increasingly aggressive Russia for years and was largely ignored, points the finger at naivety towards Russia through successive British governments since 1994. In a piece for the Daily Mail, he points out that the changes to the UK investor visa programme allowed wealthy Russians to convert their visas to British passports, which entitled them to all the rights those documents grant, including the ability to make donations to political parties. He noted that the report concluded the key to London's appeal was the exploitation of that visa scheme. So, Calder, first of all, what are the kind of key points of the report that stood out for you? There are several things that stood out to me 
I think the most striking aspect is the extent to which Britain's intelligence services, guided by their political masters, appear to have completely taken their eyes off the ball in terms of Russian meddling over recent years. Mm. Um, This seems to be an absolutely fundamental strategic failure on the part of the British, quote unquote, secret state to take to recognize and take seriously the, the, the Russian threat of meddling. I think that gets to the heart of a really important question in terms of intelligence, security, and requirements or tasking is called mm. within, within um, the intelligence business of how um, intelligence is, is gathered and given to uh, decision makers. Yeah. The problem seems to have been that looking at the report that the issue of russian meddling in british elections and and the brexit referendum was such a politically hot potato i think that was the phrase they used mm, in the mm. in the report yeah. that nobody wanted to to go there nobody wanted to take ownership for that and to investigate yeah. what skeletons would be found in in the cupboard um mm. if we opened up up that door nobody wanted ownership for it and therefore, nobody tasked the intelligence services, um, MI5, SIS, and I imagine GCHQ, to investigate this in a way that they would with other other threats. Has to be said that, of course, there are other that that were and are other high priority national security threats, counterterrorism, mm-hmm. which simply um, surpassed these uh, requirements um, yeah. on a day to day level. But what we're talking about with Russian meddling in British elections, as within the US and other Western elections, really goes to the heart of um, the operation, effective operation of a democracy. Mm. If you can't Mm. trust your elections because foreign actors have interfered in it, um, then democracy by definition is not working. Um, As I said, nobody wanted to go there. Nobody tasked, it appears, um, few people tasked Britain's intelligence service to investigate this in any meaningful way. And really that gets to the point uh, of whether agencies like the security service MI5 should essentially be self-tasking. Mm. So who, and that, that's not easy. Uh, and that, that there's no, you know, right answers, wrong answers with this self-tasking is, uh, you know, there's a slippery slope there where, and a security service can become uh, a um, a rogue elephant, to use the infamous phrase use, um, used in the Church uh, Committee report about CIA abuses in the 1970s here in the US. Um, a, a security service intelligence agency that sets its own agenda and decides what it's going to investigate. There are all sorts of um, worrying civil liberty implications about that. But at the same time, we're now seeing it's exposed the problem of if in the in the as your listeners might know might know or remember from their other studies or whatever um, about the intelligence cycle that intelligence services rely on tasking from political leaders and it's yeah. a circular flow of um, this is what I need to know set the requirements task mm-hmm. task the subjects collect analyze disseminate back to the mm-hmm. policymakers mm-hmm. if 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 no um, input. Um, driver is being given by political masters because it's such a politically charged uh, subject, then we don't get the collection and we don't get the analysis. I think the report illustrates or or names an MI5 report 
of a pithy uh, few sentences um, that was only a few sentences long and 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 cited um, open source academic studies about um, uh, Russian meddling, um, clearly not providing a margin of um, information mm. um, from secret sources, which is the whole purpose of what a intelligence agency is supposed to do. If you're just simply yeah. referencing, uh, ref, you know, people are just Googling uh, academic works like anyone else could do, then what's the, what's the point? Seems to yeah. me. Yeah. 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 I remember we talked about that with Bellingcat, didn't we? And um, exactly. Yeah, exactly. So the, the, the phenomenon of um, skeletons in the closet and political um, uh, decision makers not wanting to go there and open that door is not uh, unique to to Britain. Of course, exactly the same thing is happening in the US with Trump and Russia. Um, and it was, um, as as your listeners will doubtless remember, over the course of a um, couple of years, the, the it required a special counsel investigation by Robert Mueller into um, Russian meddling to actually get to the bottom of some issues, not all of mm. the issues mm. about Trump and Russia, um, some he didn't purposely didn't investigate. Um, so politically charged issue, a leader doesn't want to, to go there. It's unsurprising that there's, um, uh, much of an intelligence, uh, investigation. The answer is, I think for intelligence agencies to have greater scope, to be self-tasking about mm. issues that they see as threats to national security. Yeah, it's a bit of a pop. This is sort of a consequence of a pop puree of uh, of causes. Um, I mean, back in the sort of mid nineties, um, I remember people even questioning what the point of MI five, MI six was yeah. anymore because Russia was seen as no longer a, a threat. The Cold War was over, and I, and I think that optimism kind of certainly in the public domain, kind of carried on, even up to potentially the Litvinenko killing, maybe even a bit beyond. Because I remember yeah. when I was starting this podcast, when talking to just people about Russia, people would poo-poo it as a plot of a bad Cold War movie. Yet we yeah. have also had, like in the States, you had the Anna Chapman kind of sleeper spies in 2010, wasn't it? That's right. And I remember... Um, I was chatting with Gordon Carrera and even the arrest of those spies became political because at the time there were renewed, there was the Obama reset of uh, relations with Russia and it was a very, and it happened to all coincide with a talk with the, the Russian president who was in America at the time the arrest happened and there was a yes. worry it would cause embarrassment. So yes. it, it's difficult, isn't it? It's, it's sort of politics, diplomacy kind of, um, kind of collide with law enforcement and intelligence priorities. And yes. Um, yeah. Yeah. So it's. I mean, there's several several strands there. I'd like to mm. sort of pull at, but um, yeah. it seems to me you're, you're you're quite right that in the early mid uh, 1990s, this was um, as we all um, heard at the time, the end of history. Mm. We don't mm. we don't need to know about the past. Um, this is the end of history. Uh, Western liberal democracy is triumphant. Mm. Mm. Now we can see uh, quite clearly a quarter of a century after the, the collapse of this, 30 years after the collapse of the Soviet Union, um, how mistaken that view was. And, mm. and, and in fact, what we can also now see is that although the Soviet Union collapsed, for many powerful people in the Kremlin, mm. not least Putin himself, who rose to power at the end of the 1990s, the Cold War never really finished. 
Yeah. The same strategy, the same methods, the same, same techniques, the same um, overwhelming um, power of intelligence services mm-hmm. within uh, Russia um, continued into the post-Soviet period. I've recently interviewed a former head, someone very senior in the SBR, who said, quite simply, you guys in the West thought that the Cold War ended. For us, it never did. And now we are seeking revenge for the demise of the Soviet Union. I'd actually, the book I'm working on that I'm hoping to, uh, that I will be publishing next year, the provisional title is Spies, The Long Cold War, British, American, and Russian Intelligence. And this actually makes the argument that the Cold War, as not commonly understood, um, actually started much earlier than than, um, commonly supposed, that Britain and the US um, were actually engaged in the Cold War with the Soviet Union before they realized that they were. Mm -hmm. And that though the Soviet Union collapsed in 1991, the Cold War strategy and tradecraft continued after, and that now we're in a, a new kind of Cold War, but actually I argue that it's not actually a new Cold War. It's a continuation of a much longer Cold yeah. War with Russia. Yeah. There have been a few interludes in the Second World War, for example, where Britain and the US were allied uh, to Soviet Russia and in the 1990s. But otherwise, there, there seems to have been this cold clandestine intelligence war um, between Moscow, London, and Washington. Uh, the problem was that Washington and London didn't recognize that they were engaged in this battle at key moments. Um, so this is part of a much longer term uh, strategic problem and threat, uh, mm. perceived threats on both sides, it seems yeah. to me. And I, you're quite right that I'm working on a, I've got a, your listeners might be interested, I've got a piece coming out in foreign policy soon, uh, the Journal mm. of Foreign Policy, um, which argues that this Russia report uh, reveals how Britain, British intelligence has misunderstood, uh, misidentified the Russian threat today. Mm. And in Mm. fact, there's a direct parallel with what British intelligence and British establishment um, did during the Second World War, where they again neglected the continued Russian threat. So in other words, during the Second World War, Britain was allied to the Soviet Union and the Foreign Office said, absolutely no way are we going to be spying on an ally mm. because because mm. good friend gentlemen don't spy on other gentlemen and allies don't spy on allies yeah what we now know is that by the end of the, the second world war the soviet union had exploited ruthlessly launched a launched a ruthless clandestine attack on mm. its western allies so really there seems to be a parallel with where we are now with a new cold war setting in Mm-hmm. and what happened in the second world war with the cold war setting in mm-hmm. in both occasions there was a, there's been a there there was and is a failure to recognize an underlying strategic threat because uh it's a politically charged issue nobody mm-hmm. wants to go there nobody wants to say we can't trust a wartime ally or in today's context this is too politically charged for us to go there Let's not investigate. Let's just hope it all goes away. Uh, yeah. Some striking parallels. So um, your listeners might be interested in that piece when it comes. Yeah. 
No, definitely. We'll keep an eye out for that. One interesting thing that came up, and I'm, um, I'm going to quote Edward Lucas. Um, he was talking about the Russian report, and there's a, there's a section in the report talking about the Russian influence campaign during the Scottish independence referendum yeah. and how there was evidence for it, yet MI5 didn't seem to think it was worth investigating. Now, Scotland, strategically, is quite interesting because our submarine bases are there. Um, That's right. And I wonder if the Scottish independence and Russia's interest in that is because of those submarines basis i could be wrong but <laughs> there, there could be an element of it i think it's probably um mm. the, the biggest strategic uh, aim with scottish mm. independence um is uh, for, for for russia is simply to undermine the cohesion of mm. um great britain um and anything yeah. that could be done yeah. to destabilize the the union um would in this sort of zero-sum game um perception uh, for Russia, be seen uh, anything that you can be done to undermine uh, a perceived adversary, Britain mm, mm. would be beneficial for uh, the Kremlin. Yeah. So, what do you think all this means for the future of Brit the British security services? Because one thing that was happening just before uh, this report, just a few weeks ago, it was reported that Dominic Cummings, who's a government advisor, was visiting the um, headquarters of all the intelligence services um, as part of his defence review. Um, and I just, I don't know, it'd be interesting to see sort of what the future for British intelligence is, because there's always been talks of um, possible mergers between MI5 and MI6 to turn yeah. into some sort of super agency and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. What, what do you think might happen? Well, that's whenever there's a sort of existential crisis, be it the start of the Second World War, the end of the Cold War, and I guess what we're going through um, today right now with, well, mm. definitely with coronavirus mm. um, and Russian meddling. Um, there's always talks about reforming um, Britain's intelligence services, mm. merging them. What's the point of having two? Well, I think there is a good point. There is a there's a long-standing purpose of having two um, that do very different work. Um, mm. uh, you know, security intelligence, defensive is in very different. Um, uh, it's than than foreign intelligence gathering. Mm. Mm. Um, always has been and always will be uh, the difference between gamekeepers and poachers. Mm. Um, and you don't uh, generally um, the two generally don't mix. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, um, what will the future hold? It seems to me that the, the issue of Russian meddling, um, the, what it and, and the report, what it identifies, be it in the Scottish independence uh, referendum, be it in the lurking issue of the Brexit re Brexit referendum, which was just seems to have been sort of airbrushed away, mm. be it in the recent. Uh, 2019 UK general election, what the big issue is, is information warfare and uh, information warfare conducted over cyberspace, that cyber, the cyber realm is the new battleground for um, the Cold War. Neil Ferguson, my colleague here, has called it um, a, 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 a war in Siberia, which I think is quite good, cyberspace. Um, yeah. And I think that evokes the the, the the idea very well. Information warfare, what does it mean for intelligence services? The intelligence services will have to, in the 21st century, rethink how they understand intelligence to be, and so will political monsters, that premium already seen, but the premium on open source intelligence mm. about globalized threats. I think it seems to me that the major theme of this century will be globalized transnational threats. Yes, be it terrorism, as as nine eleven showed in the wake up call for that, but also um, biological threats like pandemics, 
either from naturally occurring diseases or from synthesized biology. We're on the verge of an absolutely watershed, groundbreaking um, biological bio-revolution. Anyone that wants to get, any of your listeners that want to get very scared, I recommend reading the McKinsey Global Institute's um, report published in May uh, this year mm. about the bio-revolution mm. bio to have a look at the, the technology that we're on the verge of and the profound mm. social and national security implications that this has. And also mm. information warfare using old-fashioned techniques, but because of the development of cyberspace, um, allowing um, the dissemination and the consumption of information and disinformation in ways um, that are unprecedented. Yeah. So these are the kind of globalized threats, as well as the big one uh, looming in the back of everything that we do, which is the transnational global threat of climate change or climate crisis. So intelligence, what we're seeing right now, um, will need to change in order to address those transnational threats, many of which are hiding in the open. Therefore, the old ideas of um, secrecy and um, the shackles of secrecy, I would call it, from the Cold War, mm. uh, from the 20th century, need to be cast off. And um, intelligence services and intelligence agencies, Britain among them, need to rethink the public-facing nature mm. of intelligence yeah. and their role uh, to provide intelligence about globalized threats that should be geared for public dissemination. Aside from the UK government report, the Russian intelligence service has been quite busy. A few weeks ago, a story broke in the New York Times claiming that it had been discovered that the Russian government had been paying bounties to the Taliban to target and kill US and allied forces in Afghanistan. What are your thoughts on the Russian bounty story? Well, it is an absolutely extraordinary story. And it's also mm. absolutely extraordinary that as of this point, I do not believe uh, Trump's White House has made a statement denouncing the alleged mm. Russian bounties. Mm. This, alas, once again, goes straight to the heart of President Trump's peculiar, unusual, unique relationship with Russia. And what mm. is it about Putin and Russia that makes Trump so unwilling to criticize anything that it does. Yeah. The idea in any other presidency uh, over here, the idea that a US president would not first and foremost publicly denounce the alleged bounties by Russia to kill US soldiers is just absolutely mm. striking. What I don't yeah. know, and again, any of your listeners who are more versed in this to me than me is the extent to which, um, for example, during the Soviet invasion of Afghanistan, whether the CIA um, offered bounties um, for the Mujahideen to kill Soviet mm -hmm. soldiers. So what I'm really getting at is the principle of bounties is not unusual in, in warfare. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, you know, clearly that, that it's not unique to Russia, but it is unique. I think that we uh, have not heard a denunciation from the Oval Office about this. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, especially 
when you compare it to, and it's hard to not compare it, but to the reaction of the Benghazi attacks. Precisely. Um, you know, there were calls for Obama and, um, at the time, uh, Secretary of State Hillary Clinton's resignations and all sorts of things. That's right. Um, That's right. Yeah. And I, I've forgotten the number of um, hearings that Benghazi produced, but it was a phenomenal. <laughs> and um, so far, they yeah. have, as, as with everything at the moment um, in this country, and I, I, I imagine... It, it, similar over over there back in back in the UK, mm. stories simply get taken over by other current events. Yeah, and particularly yeah. Um, um, among uh, amid the pandemic, where the news is changing and is so profoundly bad each day mm. in this country that mm. suddenly Russian bounties stories from what twenty days ago, I think, um, it seems like a dis- yeah. seems like a distant memory. Um, yeah. And, um, yeah. I mean, it's it's often also uh, sometimes easy to forget that President Trump was actually impeached. Um, that mm. seems like an eternity ago, but mm. such is life in the new um, uh, era of digital disinformation um, yeah. and um, globalized interconnectivity. Colder, before we wrap up, do you have any final thoughts on anything we've discussed today? It seems to me that whether Britain and the United States uh, like it or not, uh, mm. we are actually already in a new Cold War. Um, yeah. I would argue that it's not really a new Cold War. It's simply a continuation of a much longer-term Cold War between Russia and the West. Yeah. Well, Calder, thank you very much for joining me today. Where can listeners find out more about you and your work? Absolutely. I'm on social media. Twitter is um, at Calder underscore Walton. Um, I've got a website and you can find me through Harvard Kennedy School's um, website. Happy to respond to any and all questions. Um, I love the subject and I want to make other people interested in it and take it seriously. Yeah. Well, thank you for joining me today. That's been brilliant. Thanks, Chris. Thanks for listening. This is Need to Know.